Welcome to Machine Learning. I uh, have been analyzing the uh, weather, and uh, interesting enough, uh, for Idaho, I took it for the month of September. And uh, when I I went to a site that was gathering data, and and uh, I went to see if there was a correlation of, between the um, relative humidity and the temperature in Fahrenheit. So I created a uh, scatter plot. I sorted it by date, and then I created a, a scatter plot. And what I noticed is there was a general trend as it got warmer, as the temperature increased, the humidity dropped. And I know in some places, like in Florida, the hotter it gets, it seems like the more humidity you get. But uh, in Idaho, it, it looked like the hotter it got, the less humidity that was in the air. Um, I'm also going to take a look at the correlation between the wind speed, which is in knots. Uh, there's probably some conversion I can do to get it to miles per hour, but uh, it's it's measured in knots and uh, and temperature. And let's see if uh, maybe even do a multi-variable analysis between uh, temperature humidity and wind speed to see if there's a correlation if I can predict the wind speed based on the humidity and temperature I think that'd be kind of interesting so just do multivariant uh, regression probably put in a logistics regression algorithm and see if the two just check to make sure that there's correlation um, on the two dependent variables and uh, look at the p-values and then if they if they're low, then go ahead and and see if I can predict the the uh, wind speed based on the temperature and the humidity. Um, it'll be interesting to see if there's a signal there. Well, and the other thing too I was looking at is the percentage change in temperature each day uh, between the readings. And it seems like that there's a little bit of a fluctuation each day as well. It seems like in the, it's measured on the hour. And there was between a 2 to 4% change in the temperature. Um, and I could see why in some cases it would be going up uh, during the day. You know, because you start off in the morning and then as you get towards the afternoon. Somewhere in the afternoon you're peaking in your temperature and then you're starting to come down. Uh, very slowly, maybe late, late afternoon, and then cooling off in the evening. Um, and uh, so those are some of the things that were kind of interesting. Now, the reason why measuring temperature may sound kind of s- silly, it's not. Uh, it's probably a foundational piece because all the, all the temperatures are based on time. And so you're measuring things in a time series uh, and then evaluating and making predictions based on what uh, trends are occurring. So you can do a uh, forward plot and then correlate it to see if there's any uh, correlation over time uh, so that you can change your period or interval between the time. So if we were, let's say, like we were measuring the weather temperature instead of just over a month, it would increase that temperature uh, 
to a year and then we extract on the interval of every year uh, then looking at the changes in temperature on the year might be give us some insight to possibly differences in temperature between multiple years so let's say you gather the last 20 years of, of data and then analyze the percentage of change uh, between the multiple years and then set them up as categories and then just similar to like the crime um, where we can plot it out each year against each other we could see if the temperatures are changing year from year if it's getting more, more warm I think there was a there was a data set that on data camp that uh, when it was looking at global temperatures and we did some plots on that and we could see that the uh, temperatures were getting warmer uh, per year and uh, <clears throat> so it would be interesting if we say if we went back to the first time that they were recording temperatures pull in all that data which is going to be a large amount put it in a database somewhere uh, do some aggregation and then uh, do use the uh, seaborne to plot it out and do a, like a, a forward plot and just take a look to see year after year if uh, the temperatures are staying within a certain range uh, or if uh, we see between the first year the temperatures recorded and the current year that the higher temperatures. So I, I don't really believe in global warming. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me and uh, because the human carbon footprint is so small. Uh, there's more carbon put up in the atmosphere by volcanoes by far than anything that man-made has put up. Uh, oceans recycle the carbon. And I guess the, the thing I would say more than I would be more interested in other than um, besides carbon would be uh, pollution footprint. Now, I could see a pollution footprint, let's say, like some of the cities in China, like Beijing, um, where pollution is extremely high. And uh, yeah, I would and there's lots of particles in the air. Um, I think uh, if you recall, I did a little bit of a study on nit nitrogen dioxide and the measurements in Utah. And, th and that was kind of a, uh, an eye-opener to see which counties had the most nitrogen dioxide. And see, these type of things, I think, are going to become very common. Um, we can have, you know, once Siri gets smart, we can ask uh, Siri questions like, what is the carbon dioxide area in Boise? And it could answer. And then you could ask it, uh, um, what is, how does that compare to the relative carbon dioxide over the last five years? And the, Siri should be able to analyze that data in real time, generate the Python code, uh, create the visualization if necessary, or uh, interpret the visualization in terms of natural language processing, and then give that information in the form of a voice synthesizer. Though that's what's going to be expected in the future. The um, summarization, comprehension, and uh, and code generation is is definitely the future of AI. I was just talking to. 
one of my uh, one individual on my network, and just expressing how I felt that uh, AI has to be more conversational. And I think that's a real challenge for a lot of the PhDs and and uh, scientists who are used to just formulas. They they get they get comfortable in the equations and interpretation of what the equations mean. But you're going to have a real tough time uh, trying to explain an equation to someone who all they care about is uh, will they will their asthma flare up uh, or uh, is it safe to go outside and run? You know, those are the type of things that they are they're interested in, and they don't really know what the indicators are, um, other than maybe which websites to go look and see if it's safe to go out and run or. Or maybe someone on social media is saying, "Hey, you might not—you might want to skip running today because the air is really bad and it's not going to be good for your asthma." But, but the, we don't think mathematically as human beings. We think more guesswork. We're guessing, you know. Oh, the sky is kind of hazy today. I'm going to guess that there's lots of particles in the air, but I don't really know. And uh, it seemed like if you had a way to interact more conversationally with the machine you're going to have a better a better experience and that better experience is going to uh, lead to more users uh, using that service so uh, that's my perception and I think that'll be proven true over time is that uh, machines are going to have to have a, be- a more friendly and comprehensive interface and there's going to have to be the capability to have conversations. Context has to be remembered longer than the few interactions that you make with the machine during the day, uh, you know, with your handheld device. And when you get in a car, you cannot be texting. The, 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 the companies that allow texting while you're moving uh, beyond 20 miles an hour are irresponsible. And that's Apple and that's uh, Google and that, that's an irresponsible feature to have to to be manually texting while you're moving at that speed um, and so you know what should be actually happening is uh, that uh, the device should uh, be uh, reading the emails or text uh, but they shouldn't be displayed manually and uh, some people could say, well, what about the passengers? Shouldn't they be able to text and receive text while you're moving? And, uh, and the only way you could have that feature capability is that uh, the machine would have to look at where the person is in the car. And if they're behind a steering wheel, then... Uh, it notifies the user that they cannot text while they're driving. So that's a feature that uh, the uh, um, OEMs need to put into place. It's it's going to need to be done. They need to take more responsibility for that. And uh, I I see numerous people minute they get out and on the road they're texting. You know it's just dangerous, and uh, that that needs to be addressed at a higher level.